you're listening to the Workplace Wellbeing Podcast, discussing the future of employee wellbeing. Hi everyone, I'm Ian Hogg, Chairman of FastPay, and thank you for joining us for another edition of the Workplace Wellbeing Podcast. I'm delighted to be joined by Dr. Sarah Pitts, who is the Clinical Director of 87%, as well as being a Chartered Psychologist. 87% is a very exciting company within the nascent wellbeing technology space. They are using clinically-led assessment to measure, understand, and improve well-being in the workplace and using technology to drive positive changes based on tangible data. As you can probably guess from Sarah's profession, 87% has a particular focus and expertise in mental well-being, and this has been at the heart of the platform's development. So in this edition of the Workplace Wellbeing Podcast, I would like to try and understand how technology can help improve the mental well-being of employees, what is possible now, and what might the future hold as technology develops. Hi, Sarah. Thanks for joining us. Hi, Ian. Thanks so much. It's a pleasure to be here. That, that's obviously not a, a, a English or UK accent. Where, whereabouts is it from? Very true. And though I've been here for 15 years, I haven't lost my Americanness. Um, I'm from San Diego in California originally, and I, uh, I'm missing it on these cold days. I, I I can imagine. Um, yeah, it's definitely not San Diego weather out there today. No. Okay. Well, listen. Well, like I said, thanks for joining us. And um, I think we're a good place to start, Sarah, would be um, if you could tell the listeners a bit about your background. Uh, they already know you from San Diego, but also a bit more about your sort of, uh, experience as like a psychologist, and particularly, you know, how eighty-seven percent came into existence. And I'm also sure everyone out there is keen to find out where, where did that name come from, 87%? Yeah, sure. Um, well, I'm, as you said, I'm a clinical psychologist. I've been in the UK and working in Europe for almost 15 years now. Um, I've done a fair bit in that time. I've, uh, like a lot of psychologists in the UK, I've worked uh, for the NHS across a wide range of services. But I also have this hybrid uh, organizational business psychology side to me. So I've been doing research in high-risk, high-stress work environments for many years. Uh, Those environments are like um, investment, defense, emergency services. And what we do is we predict the success and failure of people in their roles based on specific characteristics. So rather than react to those as we were doing so in in a leadership way, I really wanted to start to put effort into preventing people from getting to that point of failure. And so I joined forces with Richard Glynn, who you know, Ian, and he um, started a a well-being technology company and said, come on board, we need a psychologist like you. And that's what we've been doing for the last almost three years. Okay, and so if you sort of, you know, I've got a military background. So if you found somebody was likely to fail in a particularly high-stress role, Mm -hmm. is the solution in that sort of environment to move them to a less stressful role or are there mechanisms that can make people deal with the stress? Uh, It's either, and and it's personal. Of course, it's individual. But I think that the, the main point is that you can train people to become prepared for what's to come, even if it's things that they don't expect. And that's what we're doing, which we'll talk about today, is how to build resilience in advance of stress. 
Okay. Before we go that, because that sounds that sounds fascinating. But before we go there, could you let's let's talk a little bit about eighty seven percent and you know it's it's app based, isn't it? I've I've obviously checked out on the website. How how does it work? Yes, we're we're a mental fitness platform actually. So we have an app. We've built an app, but we also do a lot of communications around mental health and well being for people who don't want to use an app. There's a lot. There's a difference in generations in some cases, and sometimes sector specific around who will and won't use an app. And the other part of what we do is, so we, we serve as individuals in that way, but the other important part of what we do is we serve as businesses so that businesses get the data and insight that's needed and has been missing until now to help them target interventions at their workforce. So we believe fiercely that one size cannot fit all. People are really different. Work environments are really different. Leadership styles are really different. And so we work with businesses to customize a platform and an approach and a strategy to change uh, well-being across the board in their business. Okay. And when we were talking earlier about, say, military or, you know, investment bankers, Mm -hmm. that sounds like an expensive, you know, only the few top few people get the service. Does 87% work across the... um, across the board for every employee, like a call center operator and a, and a sh- shop employee, as well as the managing director? Yes, absolutely, everybody. And that's that's another fundamental part of our ethos is that it's not just for particular people. It's for everybody because everybody makes up that workforce. And, and you, you never answered where the 87% come from. Yes. A few years ago, the Mental Health Foundation put out a piece of research where only 13% of people in the UK said they had positive mental health. So we are for the 87%. Okay. Or everybody else. Wow, that is that is some statistic. Right. I, you know, if you'd asked me to guess, and um, yeah, I, w- I would have said it was closer the other way around. I would have thought the majority would have said this, but it's that's yeah. such a minority. It is. Okay, so... So, talk me a bit more detail about the um, the, the the app. You know, how to if I'm or, or the platform. Sorry, mm-hmm. is um, is if I'm an employer and um, you know, uh, uh, and I've been you they they my employer signed up and given me access to it. Talk me through what I experience. How you know, what do I do? Fill out questions. So the first thing we do is you get communications sent to you from your company, from your business, from your employer, talking about the strategy that we've put in place with them. So how, how what is when mental well-being and why does it matter? And then people get access, private access to the app uh, for them from their company. And our, we have a mantra in our business, which is if you can't measure it, you can't improve it. So... We start by helping users establish a baseline of their mental fitness so they can measure their self in their mental well-being. Most of the time, people don't really know how they feel, only that something doesn't feel right or that they're not happy. So our app helps people better understand their own mental health. So you'll do an assessment in seven areas of your life, seven dimensions. And once a person has measured their mental health, they immediately know more about their self than they did before. They've increased their self-awareness. So the insight about oneself is one of the most important skills we can develop to manage our mental health. Okay. Can can we just drill down a little bit more on that, please, Sarah? So there are seven um, areas. So give give me an example, you know, um, 
you know, took me through those areas and then to drill down what if I was on one of those sort of subjects, you know, what sort of questions might I be asked or, or sure. so exercises? Where other um, products focus on one area of health, um, for example, emotional health or um, psychological health, we focus on the, the full holistic person. So we, we measure body, physical health. What's your physical health like? What's your emotional health like? Do you have feelings of, do you feel anxious ever? And if so, how often do you feel anxious? What makes you feel anxious? We also look at work stuff. So what are your work relationships like? Because we know that that has an impact on well-being. We also look at um, personal development. So how growth-oriented are you? And how is your focus and your attention? And what motivates you? And so all of these areas are combined together to make one unique profile for every person. Okay. So for instance, I could, so a couple of things to pick up on that. Maybe I could have a, a boss who is not particularly um, uh, empowering, or um, I could be frustrated because I, uh, you know, I'm looking for more challenges and I'm not being given them. And this would, would highlight those sort of frustrations with it. Exactly right. And you get a little score. There's seven dimensions, but each of those dimensions have scores within so you can really pinpoint let's say you're um, not getting the feedback that you need or the direction you need from your manager or from your employers you can highlight oh that's what's upsetting me at work it's that I'm not getting the support I need for someone else it might be oh it's my work environment that's making me stressed out you know I'm sitting in the same chair for 12 hours a day and maybe that's impacting my body which makes me feel stressed at work so it's it's the nuance that matters in, in the personalization of each profile. Yeah, I, I and interestingly, the one of the sections was around your sort of um, your your personal fitness as well. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I know for myself where we're, this whole you know lockdown where we've all been working from home, I've been walking less, mm. and actually I've now had to find time to go for a walk to um you know, to to you know. Deal, not deal with stress, but just let you know, let things sort of settle down in my head. I suppose. Yeah, it's a process, and that that was the the beauty of our commute before is that we could transition, we could process what had happened that day, and come out of it. And the physical side of things is is crucial to mental health and well being because your body and your mind are, even though we treat them separately, they're very much connected. And if your body is unwell, your mind will be, and vice versa. Right. So. The the sort of um, symptoms that we or questions and sort of symptoms we just discussed were sort of um, you know were really around um, what the employer could do. The, the two examples I used was about you know empowerment and development. Mm -hmm. But what about um, if somebody has um, you know a mental health issue? Um, is the app um, or the sorry the platform? I'll stop calling it an app All in right. a minute, Sarah. Um, is the platform? You know, does it have the ability to get the sort of insight that would help you diagnose um, a, a mental health issue? Um, and if so, how would an intervention program work with that? So at the moment, we're focusing on, we don't call ourselves a diagnostic platform. We are clinical. I, I'm clinical. My team is clinical. We're all clinically trained. We are clinically informed and we're evidence-based. And what that means is that we're not GPs diagnosing you. However, we are mental health experts pointing you in the direction of your health. And so if you do have a problem, we have introduced a mental health assessment that's separate to the well-being wheel, which is what we call it. The mental health assessment will 
it does two things. First of all, if you're measuring your well-being and you notice that you have very low scores or the app will notice for you, I have very low scores in this area. The app is concerned about your health because of what you're saying. Actually, we need to pick this up and we should check on your mental health. So it can capture people who are struggling and you can opt to take a mental health assessment as separate so that we can say whether or not you need mental health support right now. So there is a way to, that is, it is a diagnostic tool, but it's a separate component to the well-being Fine. portion. Okay, that, that, that makes sense. And, um, and have, have you, have you got any data that you're allowed to share is, so for instance, presumably a percentage of people are, um, need to go on to the, the specific um, mental health yeah. sort of diagnosis. Is there a percentage that you've, put people through and do people take it up or or uh, are people sort of reticent to um to sort of share that sort of information with a, with a no, platform it's funny because people are when we release that um people want to know they want to know am i well am i well because i don't feel great but i don't know if i'm ill and so um a lot of people have been pointed in that direction the the average range of people who are in that lower spectrum the the troublesome spectrum is between 8 and 11%. It's not ever much higher than that uh, from what we're seeing so far. What we know from um, all the research that's come out about mental health in the last year or two is that um, about 25% at any one time have a mental health problem. So we may see our figure rise, but for the most part, it's, it's no, no more than about 12% of people who are really Fine. struggling. So, so you think that your so people that do the initial sort of um, engagement with with the with the with the platform about eleven or twelve percent the platform is suggesting that they need further diagnosis and do you think that um, most you know you have a high, very high percentage of those people go on and take the second stage do they? Yeah, we we're we're monitoring um, activity, so we can't see individual user behavior, but we're watching that people who are recommended those sources of support do go on to get it. And I think the main thing to remember about the app is it's not just an assessment tool; it is um, it's a support resource as well. So once you get your scores, once I get my scores in all these areas, let's say I see my low scores and I want to do something about it or I need help in that area. Well, we tell you exactly based on your personal profile, this is what we think you should do. You can either reach out to somebody and here's who you should do that with, or you can work on a training program and here's one we recommend for you, or you can learn more about this and share it with other people. So there's, it's not just a measurement, it's a tool for improvement and that's done through resources, exercises, People talk to the community. Um, we teach people how to how to share what's going on in their lives. You know, it's not all doom and gloom. It's also about um, healthy relationships and how having people around us, which is especially difficult now, is so important to our mental health. And how how do we process, like you said, on your walk? How do we process things? How do we process and make sense of all these things? No, that's that's, that's fascinating. And. What about the your business model? So, are you a charity, a limited company? Um, limited company. Uh, okay, and if I'm an employer, and you know, and I'm listening to this, and I'm thinking this is this is excellent. This will help me with my with my um, mental well being strategy. Um, what what does the model look like for me as an employer? So, the concept of measure, understand, improve is applicable to our business clients as well as the individual users. 
So what we do is we form a partnership, let's say, with your business, and we start to talk about the strategy. What's happening in your organization? So we have a little consultancy period. What's happening? What are your objectives? What are you seeing? What you know? And then we start to gather data together, and we gather um, data for three months. We see what's happening in the organization, and we evolve the content, activities, and support resources made available to the whole staff based on the data that's coming in. And so the real value of the platform is that it's not a one-off series of events or a single app, but it's intelligent and it's cyclical and it keeps evolving based on the data and insight that we generate together so that that can keep being fed back into the business. And we do that on a quarterly basis because we're thinking about people in terms of seasons and businesses in terms of you know, financial quarters. And it needs to be a proactive and responsive process in order for it to have have a real impact okay and and in terms of business the quick i understand that one sarah but in terms of the business model do, you know do you charge you know for for something that's interesting then you're going to you're going to charge them per person or yes um it's a per fine. per user model it's a SaaS model and then on top of that we've got um the consultancy which does the insights and behavior analysis okay and uh, and what was fascinating about the sort of um, measurement at the sort of employer level, can you benchmark between like anonymized data? So, for instance, if I was a call center operator, could you and you had another call center customer, could you show that my business has got a bigger issue um, than than other call centers? Have you got that sort of ability on the platform? Yes. And that's a fundamental uh, proposition for us is that we want to be able to differentiate so that businesses can target particular groups of people. So when I'm looking at raw data, I can see differences in gender, in region, in job role, uh, in age group. And those are the things that really matter because if you put out an, an initiative or an intervention to the full workforce, you might only see 20% take up because actually it's only affecting 20% of your people. And so in this way, you can invest in interventions and programs that affect everybody. Uh, because they're specific to that user group. And that's how we use the aggregated data and the insight with the business. So so as an employer, I could be given feedback like, you know, you're particularly bad in this area. You're quite good in this area, but, you you know, you, you need to focus on, for instance, this gender or this subgroup. Um, yeah. is, is that the sort of feedback you could get? Yeah, that's that's what we do. And we definitely focus on strengths as well as weaknesses so that we can big up the organization as well as improve them. One of um, one of the themes that has, has emerged on a lot of these sort of um, the, the podcast interviews I've been doing is the same sort of employers um, tend to use the sort of services that we're, we're you know, um, like 87%. Um, I, they've all used Perkbox. They all use Fastpay. You know, they all use eighty-seven percent. They're the good employers, um, and they're probably the ones with um, with that don't necessarily have the worst problems. Mm -hmm. I'm sure they can still improve, which is why they're investing in in products like yours. Do you find that? Do you find it's a, a self-selecting group of of what we would consider good employers, or are you finding that? Uh, other employers are starting to get on board with um, mental well-being. I, I think it's definitely twofold in the early days because it is, you know, this market is in early days. 
And it is the people who know about it already and who the businesses that care about it already were the first in line. But um, more and more, as people are seeing their workforces suddenly change and suddenly impacted, they realize, oh, we have to do something about this. So they're jumping on board for two reasons. And, and we don't actually mind the reason. As long as people start to have concern for the welfare of their workforce, then we're, we're there. Okay. No, no, listen, I think that we're, I think we're probably all hoping in the sort of well-being space that the, 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 the employers that have got the most problems start to uh, start using some of these services because I think that's where the, the most value can come. It's good to hear that that has started to happen with you. Yeah, and I think um, just quickly, the main the thing to remember there is that we, we're trying to be proactive. We're trying to teach businesses to be proactive and not simply react when things go wrong, as they have done lately. And some people now are reacting quickly and, and strongly, but actually the businesses that have had stuff in place before this are seeing their people adapt better and they're, they're able to carry on better than the businesses that hadn't um, embedded the concept of looking after yourself into the organization already. Good, good points here. Thank you. Well, um, what about privacy? So I'd imagine there's um you know, there's a trust issue. So if I'm an employee, you ask, you're going to ask some quite sensitive um, personal questions. Um, uh, you know, is that shared with the employer? Um, if if not, how how can the employer intervene or, or, you know, how does intervention work? Yep. So privacy is our number one priority. It's also every business's number one concern. So we are super robust in our InfoSec and we follow the protocol of fintech sector requirements. Um, personally, identifiable information is kept totally separate from scores. So even in our own teams, we can't connect scores with a person. We're looking at long, random hash codes. And we make that clear to the users as much as uh, we can. And we also um, have another layer of protection where the aggregated data we share with employers has lower limits So they have to be met in order to gain a particular insight. For example, if a single department has 50 people and only 10 of them are women, the employer won't be able to see gender differences in that department because it's a situation where you could actually guess, oh, that's that person. So we don't allow that. We make sure that that's not possible. Okay, so so going back to my my question about that, this is good to hear. My question about the employer, they... The answer is they wouldn't be able to see any specific um, detail about me as an employee. No. So presumably it makes it very hard for them to make an intervention. So it's not a tool for me as an employer to to speak to you, Sarah, and say, listen, why don't you go on this um, training course because I think it'll improve your well-being. That, that can't happen, are you saying? Uh, well, you can do that, but only in a proactive way or in a global way. But you can't say, I noticed your scores in this area are low. You might want to try this. You couldn't identify somebody. Okay, good. Excellent. I, I, I think that that's, like you say, it's probably everybody's number one, yeah. number one concern on this, both the employee and the employer. Um, um, to just looking looking ahead, you know, I mean, it sounds like a fantastic um, uh, service, and you know, it's solving a real problem, and uh, and I think it's a massive step forward. Um, how far do you think it can go? Um, you know, if we if you looked five years in he- ahead with the, the way technology and AI and everything else is developing, you, wh- where do you think we'll what, what do you think you'll be able to do for um, in, you know 
mental well-being in, in five years' time? Yeah, well, we have we have big ambitions. Um, we want to see mental health have parity of esteem with physical health, first of all. That will take a while, but we think we can do that. We need people to understand their mental health just as they do their physical health. From a business point of view, we want businesses to be valued by the investment community and in the stock market partially as a result of how well they look after their people. So we want businesses to compete and say, well, my workforce is this healthy and my workforce is this healthy. And the only way we can do that is by introducing an index and measures and well and um, benchmarks so people, so businesses can be compared. We also want every single person within a single business to understand their mental health and well-being. So everyone should be trained to tangibly take responsibility for their own mental health so that businesses aren't the only ones responsible for that. And um, we want also to make it so you don't have to open an app to, to assess your mental well-being. We want, we want to uh, use um, more advanced technologies, wearables, things like that, that actually help you, you know, the, your Apple Health Watch is telling you to take a breath sometimes or get up and move around. Well, maybe I just want to reflect every day and help me do that. But it's just, just a, a fitness, an, a model of technological fitness that keeps your mental health as on track as well as you would a physical health product. Excellent. So, so my Apple Watch could tell me it's time for a stroll yeah. and uh, time to clear my head. Yeah, absolutely. Excellent. Listen, that sounds really exciting. I, I'm, I'm going to look for, look forward to uh, seeing some of these um, innovations come along. Um, I, that's that's the main sort of uh, detail that we're going to cover on eighty seven percent today, Sarah. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I feel we could talk for a lot longer. We could. But uh, but you know, there's a question I ask all of our guests, and um, and I'm, you're not going to get off the hook on this mm-hmm. one, Sarah. So, what book or media is giving you most inspiration at the moment? And um, and uh, you know, and are you using it in at work, or is it inspiration outside of work? Yes. So, my two favorite subjects outside of psychology are physics and philosophy, all of which go hand in hand, really. So, right now, I'm reading a book called *The Order of Time* by Carlo Rovelli. He's an Italian physicist, and this book covers big lessons learned from astrophysics about how us humans and how our perceptions are not always accurate. As powerful as we are, as intelligent as we are, we're incredibly biased. So the observations we make aren't always true. And so for me, it does two things. It helps me to walk around a situation and realize there is no single point of view. And this helps in the business because I know that there is not one a one-size-fits-all solution for all people in all businesses. So that's useful for that. The second reason that I'm enjoying this is that astrophysics in general is so big and wide as a subject that it reminds me personally not to sweat the small stuff that really there's a lot of things that we have no control over and um what's happening lately we're all deeply affected and many people have suffered but it but in the grand scheme of things this will pass and we will push on and persevere as we always do what a great positive message. I think the, our listeners are a pretty intelligent bunch, so I, I don't think they're going to be put off with a bit of astrophysics. So could you just just repeat the, the book and yep. the author again, please, Sarah? It's called The Order of Time by Carlo Rovelli. Excellent. I'm, I'm sure Amazon will be sold out pretty quickly now. now our listeners are, uh, and, and if any of our listeners want to get in touch with you, where, where can they find you? Yes, please do. We're online through our website, which is 
www.thinkandgrowthinc.co.uk. We're also on LinkedIn and you can drop us an email. You can you can reach out to us in any of those ways. Excellent. And, and, and you can also get in touch with me and, and I'll pass you on to Sarah as well. Listen, Sarah, that, that's been an absolute pleasure to have you on our podcast today. Um, like I said, we could have gone on for much longer. So maybe we might ask you back in the future to see how 87% are progressing and, um, and maybe delve even deeper. Um, but uh, And for everybody else, thank, thank you for listening. Um, if you like this episode and you haven't done so already, please subscribe so that we, and you can do this by searching workplace well-being on Spotify, Google and Apple podcasts. 